I'm Jasmine Moradi, and you're listening to the Queens of Tech podcast, a podcast series about raising the voice of workplace champions. 60 plus questions in around 30 minutes with women, non-binary and transgender influencers about their journey into STEM, science, technology, engineering and mathematics. I started the Queens of Tech podcast initiative in May 2022 because I would like to retain more women, non-binary and transgenders in the tech industry. Talent is out there, but our work environment needs to improve for all to feel safer, stay authentic and to be valued for our contributions. My vision is to raise the workplace ecosystem for all in the tech industry by killing the imposter syndrome, stopping bad behavior and increasing equity opportunities. Each podcast talk is built around 60 plus questions regarding upbringing, education, career path, DEIB, and future advice. My mission is to bridge the gap between schools and workplaces by getting to the heart of my guests' personal life and career journey to inspire other girls, women, non-binary, and transgenders to unleash their full potential to reach top leadership roles in the tech industry. My goal is to raise the voice of tech champions around the world and together with companies, investors, and politicians, raise the challenges and opportunities around equity, inclusive diversity, and belonging in our workplaces. Enough is enough. I would like to enforce companies to build a sustainable, inclusive culture, to retain diverse talent, so we keep the workplace power equity to continue building future diverse and inclusive products. Your voice matters. In this episode, I'm very excited to welcome my guest, Tech Queen Madonna Bambua, founder and CTO of Jibu Labs. Hi, Madonna. Hello. How are you doing today? I am great. Thank you. I absolutely love your name and I'm very happy to have you joining us. How are you? I'm good. It's raining today and I'm super excited. I'm also flying to Seattle. I'm giving a talk tomorrow, so I'm super excited. Congratulations and have lots of fun. But now today, let us dive into your journey into STEM. Hope you're ready for the Queens of Tech 60 plus questions. Yep. Let's warm up with a few fun facts about you. How would you describe your personality in three hashtags? Kind, loving, and happy. How would you describe your life in three sentences? Not straightforward, but cool. Pretty great so far. I will not complain. And also learning a lot. What kind of music stimulates and motivates you the most? Wow, that's a very good question. I think electros and also some gospel music from time to time, but mostly pop. Pop is in my blood because I feel like I was raised that generation of pop. What is your personal motto? Progress, love, perfection. What is your favorite book? Oh, this is going to be funny, but it's a science fiction book by John Grissom. The Farm. It was my first book I read when I was little, but I loved it. What is your favorite podcast? I'm going to be biased here because I have a podcast. So I'm going to say Tech Talks with Madonna is my favorite. Mac or PC? Mac. Sorry, PC. Say something interesting about you that most people don't know. So many people don't know that I'm a mathematics aficionado. That is, I love to do maths when I'm not coding. And my kids love it because they love math too. What is your hidden talent? My kids think I can sing. I think it might be a hidden talent that I don't know about. If you were going to write a book about your life, what would the title be? The Power of Community. 
Great start, Madonna. Let us dig deeper. Our childhood has an effect on our attitude. Our early experiences shape our belief about ourselves, others, and the world. Now, I want to discover your childhood. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Kenya, and I come from a pretty big family. My mom my dad have six kids, three girls and three boys. What was your dream job as a child? As a child, I loved planes. So my dream job was to know how the planes worked. I didn't know that was called aeronautical engineering until I grew up. So my dream job was to be an aeronautical engineer. My mama, whoever wanted me to be either a teacher, a nurse, a doctor, you know, but to me, planes fascinated me. What was your favorite subject in school? Mathematics. What was your least favorite subject? History. What is your earliest memory of technology and the arrival of the internet? I'm not going to age myself so much because I'm not very old, but when I got my first phone, Nokia 3310, it had a snake game. So that to me was pretty stunning. Actually, that's what made me even move to mobile, be like, because I'm a mobile engineer. Just seeing the snake game on a phone, something that was pretty weird, really made it. Wow, who made this? I want to be the one making it too. Which were the three first technology gathers you owned? Nokia 3310, as I mentioned. And then my dad got me a laptop, which was also very interesting because I was like, wow, who makes a laptop too, you know? Clearly, I wanted to become everybody that makes cool stuff. Who was your female role model growing up and why? Wow, so this is going to be pretty interesting because I feel like my mom has me my female role model. I know there are other amazing role models out there, but my mom, I looked up to my mom. I mean, six kids, it's not an easy task, but she raised us in such an amazing way. We knew love, we knew sharing, and we never fought. How do you think where you grew up and the school you went to and the generation you come from influence your education and career choice? Now, that's pretty interesting because I don't think where I grew up actually influenced my career because not so many kids ended up doing pretty well, I would say. But to me, I feel like curiosity is what drove me to where I am. That just wanting to know how our planes made and that sparking my curiosity in like forever. I feel like I'm a curious person. Even now, I'm pretty curious when I see many things. And I think that translated to my siblings because they're also in different amazing paths. But my environment was pretty different. Not everybody became successful. Or in a good way, not everybody went into STEM, which is something that not many people knew. So it's been interesting and a wild ride. Now, I'm going to read two quotes. First one, how does the universe expect me to choose a career path at 16? I can't even choose what I want for dinner. Second, Abraham Lincoln said, I quote, the best way to predict your future is to create it. So Madonna, I want to know the choices behind your career path. Where and what did you study at university? I created my own path, which is by deciding aeronautical engineering. I don't know what that is, but I'm interested. I got a phone. Hmm. What is this? Who's making this? And then I learned software engineering. And then I ended up studying software engineering. So I went to school in Auburn University, Samuel Jean College of Engineering. Would you say that was what influenced you to get in your chosen field? Yes. I started learning about the phone and how it works. I was like, I think this is a field that actually I might love because I'm like, hmm. The snake game was pretty cool, to be fair, for anybody that had that because everybody knew about it. It was like whoever created it was a genius and I wanted to be that genius. So yes, it did. What professional roles have you had before that led you to start your own company? I mean, a software engineer and an Android engineer for the longest. And I decided to start my own company because I realized that I should not be sitting back and always complaining about issues. I should be solving the issues. So it's like, why not jump in and try to solve the problem that I've seen that I think can be solved? And now that I have the technical skill to do this, I can make this work. And then I also leveraged my part of the community and realized, actually, I have the community. I have the skills. Why not do this and then bring more talent as I grow? So what does Jibu Labs do? 
Jibu Labs is a consulting firm, but we have a flagship product called Jinga Realty, which is a major project, which is like our startup idea. But I wanted to form it as, as a consulting firm because I'm an expert and people from time to time consult with me on Android matters because I'm an Android expert too. So what we're building is called Jinga Realty, which is super cool. That is connecting Africans living in the United States and in the diaspora anywhere to buy property back home. Because I realized when I migrated, it became harder for me to just own a property as an investment or even buy a property for my family. So I wanted to to create a solution where it's going to be easy and also connect people with mortgages, you know, because people here don't know about the mortgages that exist. I didn't know. And I was like, there's nothing out here that can help. And we have so many working professionals. I mean, think about it. How many Africans are in Canada, Singapore, China, India, London? So many. So yeah. Then what is your title and what is your main responsibilities? So my title currently is founder and CTO. So as a CTO, I oversee all aspects of engineering in the product. And also this is in consulting and also in the startup, which is a flagship project. And then um, my other role is just to ensure that all our team that are good, because we have a team now, of, I think eight, I would say. Most of them are still like volunteers thinking to be paid once we get funding, but the others are full-time. What does a typical workday look like for you? I didn't mention this part, but I'm also fractional kind of, which means I have a full-time job still. So I'm still funding my own startup right now. Pretty interesting. But I would say my full-time involves still building an Android because I'm still an Android engineer and uh, four hours of good coding. And then the rest is taking my kids from school, studying other things. And I also wrote a book. So I would squeeze in some time to write a book and my podcast, which I do on the weekend still. I love the quote, choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. So Madonna, what do you love about your role? I'm going to tie this back to the snake game. When I saw the snake game, I was like, this is pretty intriguing. It's pretty nice. And then I saw people just commenting in things. And then I realized that when people review your application or the Play Store, because I mean, you could see the Play Store. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I know back then you could see the ratings. But when I build my first application and then I could see parents saying they loved my applications because I built a simple month for kids in the beginning, that really touched my heart. Like, wow, my product is appreciated by people out there. So to me, building a product that's appreciated by people sparks my zeal where I'm like, wow, they love it. When they don't love it, it really frustrates me a little bit, which makes me want to go and make it better. So I think to me, I'm driven by that concept of the feedback where I'm like, oh yeah, they love it. They don't love it. Now, how can I make it better? That's what makes my job interesting. And then I enjoy solving those problems as I do that because I'm like, I'm improving someone's life. And if you've noticed my project everywhere I've worked, it's pretty interesting. I've worked with um, our core, which is um, building solutions for homes, which is super amazing, like pretty cool technology. I've also worked with Google Glass, which is building for kids with autism to be able to identify emotions. So all my projects have always been geared towards people. So I'm very people-centered. So then based on everything you said, what is the best experience you've had so far? Being able to build a product that during the pandemic helped many families. I mean, I'm a mom, I have kids. And then when you think about it, when you have a situation that's happening in your house, you will need to be able to call an expert to help you fix it. And me working a product where people you could call expert, and then we worked on this air call, machine learning and artificial intelligence and also computer vision, kind of like software where people would just connect each other and call. And then we could put measurements, you could take screenshots. That was so cool. And then what is the biggest challenge you've encountered and how did you tackle that? As a woman in engineering, it's pretty tough, especially in the United States. 
where you don't see many people looking like you. So it's not been an easy path. Yes, I've enjoyed working in all the companies I've worked in, but the experiences have been different. I love where I work so far in my previous company and where I worked before that. It was pretty cool. However, before that, I had teams that, you know, it wasn't easy. There's a lot of stress. And I mean, I kept feeling every day I was going to get fired the next day. It was a fear that I feel like many of us experience, especially when you know you don't even have a cushion to when you're fired, what happens next? So to me, that was pretty challenging. And I wish that was not the case, but it's so sad that it, that's how it is out there. Because you don't see people cheerleading for you as you would expect, yet you're doing the work. Because I didn't even work, have a work-life balance. I would work on Saturdays and Sundays because I wanted to push the code, yet my reviews would come back. Like I asked a lot of questions, which really demotivated me a lot. Because I thought people keep saying, ask questions, and then I'm asking the questions. But that doesn't translate as well. What do you wish everybody understood about your role? It's not easy, but you belong there. That's what I would say. Software engineering can be very intimidating, but I want you to know that you belong there. It's also a passion for sure. Make sure you have the passion to do it because again, solving code and writing code is not easy, but it's doable. I mean, I don't believe anything is undoable as long as you learn. And also remember, it takes time because I realized after working and now I'm a decade in, it's easier for me now. I sit down, I write code. It's, I mean, I understand the concept. The more you spend time on it, the more you become better at it. The first years are going to be very intimidating and frustrating. But what is the process? The process is perseverance. Stay in it. You got this and you belong. And don't quit. Don't let anybody push you out. And what is the one common myth about your professional field that you want to disapprove? Is that you cannot do it. I feel like that is something that I've heard many people tell people, like if you're a woman, you cannot be a software engineer. That is very false. As a woman, you can be a software engineer. Also, another myth I would like to bust is that as a mom, you can do it too. I'm a mom. I have two kids and I'm in the software engineering field and doing it. And I've been most of the time individual contributor because I loved that path is because you get to write a lot of code. And the other part is that I'm an expert. So Google gets to pay for my travel in my hotel to travel and speak. So I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I'm living in the bold worlds where I can code and also travel to speak. Pretty cool. So what do you love about working in the tech industry? Tying this back to the curiosity is being able to solve the problems because I feel like I'm a problem solver. I also like to mention, I feel like identifying your superpower is very important. I feel like I do not procrastinate. So including the two makes a strength for me. So I'm able to pretty easily work on what I'm working on and feel proud when I'm doing it. So I don't feel like I would go any other way. Oprah Winfrey said, I quote, think like a queen. A queen is not afraid to fail. Failure is not a stepping stone to greatness. So Madonna, what have by far been your biggest achievement in your career? Oh my goodness. I feel like everything I've done is such a big achievement because I never thought I would be here. A girl from Nairobi in the United States giving talks at such big events. I did a keynote with over a thousand people. I also gave a main stage panel discussion the other day at Grasshopper, which has over 30,000 women from around the world. I also wrote a book. I also founded my company. I've spoken to over 30 events so far. I also want to plug in that I'm also mom. I'm raising my kids. It's an achievement too. And I'm also a wife. I'm doing the cooking and the dishes and the other stuff. Then what would you say is the biggest factor has helped you become successful? Any success habits? Yes. It's good to know your superpower. And like I mentioned, mine, I feel like I do not procrastinate. That's my mindset. It's a do you have to do it. So I feel like that has really propelled me toward my success factors where like, for instance, in the book, I did not lag behind. I completed my book. It was one year, but I completed it two months before deadline. 
I kept asking other authors, like, give me your advice. And they were like, don't slack on it. Keep writing. We slacked and we were. And I'm like, well, I wouldn't slack because, I mean, I know it's needed. So I think I bring that mantra in everything I do where, hey, it's due. It's my job. I have to do it. So I'm never a quitter too. I do not quit. If I'm set to do something, I will ensure that I do it. So how do you then measure your own performance? Pretty interesting because, like I said, I'm, I love math, but I'm not a metric person. I'm never hard on myself because sometimes I know things will not work out as I expect. I know it's not an answer that you'd expect, but I do not measure my performance. Everything that I do, I appreciate it at that moment. I also don't compare myself with others. I follow my own path because everybody has their own different paths. So every little win for me is a win. If other people are winning too, I cheerlead for them. I support them. That's what we're meant to do because I know we will never have the same path. No, my name is Madonna. Your name is Yasmin. We are all different. So I don't measure my performance. So with success comes though failure. So what is your biggest failure in your career and what did you learn from it? That is interesting because like I mentioned, you see how I approach everything with positivity. So I don't think I can say I've had any failure. This is not a failure. However, I would say the time that I took a sabbatical to raise my kids was pretty tough because I used to think that I wasn't doing enough. My career was lagging behind and I wasn't contributing in the house as I would. My husband was doing everything, paying the bills, doing all that stuff. Again, I wouldn't call that a failure, but to me that felt a bit like I'm lagging behind. However, I came to appreciate it because I realized I was in a pot, which is different because I mean, I have two kids. My firstborn is eight and my little one is seven. I'm from Nairobi and I don't have any family members here. So I couldn't think of a better way. So I had to shift my mindset thinking being a mother is also a job so that's why I don't consider it a failure but I do consider like I always wonder what if I didn't take a break during that time where would I be in my career but then I come back and say look at where I am now still doing good so I would not complain very impressive and what is inspiring and motivates you the most in your role and career right now well my kids my kids look up to me so I brought my kids to a couple of my speaking engagements and I'm taking them tomorrow to, to Seattle, which is going to be pretty cool. They're so excited. And to them just cheerleading for me, being in the crowd, clapping for me and saying, go mama. So cool. Because they're like, wow, moms can be engineers. Moms can do this. So when they grow up, then they become leaders one day, they will implement strategies that support women. Or if they work in tech, they will also have that in mind. Like, hey, we need to be inclusive because they saw a mom that did it and they had a mom that did it so super excited so that i would say that is my everything let us now jump into the influence of mentors role models and champions and sponsors role models can consciously or subconsciously be a powerful force in our lives in addition champions can stand up and advocate for us and open up the world of possibilities sponsors match emerging talent with leaders and influential employees who can help us move ahead in our careers Madonna, do you have a mentor, champion, or a sponsor today? I have a mentor, yes. I know this is pretty cool. So I've had different mentors in my career. So funny enough, when I started my career five years and I did not have any mentor, and then I realized I was drowning and then I started looking for a mentor. So I found a mentor in software engineering. We had a different kind of relationship. So the way I thought about mentorship was more of me reaching out and asking her questions in software engineering. And then she would guide me like, yeah, this is how you do it. This is how it works. This is how you would do it. And that really worked and helped me a lot and continue my career. So I would highly recommend anybody listening, if you need a mentor in your software engineering career, please do that. When I became good in it, though, I did not need any mentor in software engineering anymore because I 
I mean, I'm good at it. I don't struggle as much. So the mentor that I knew I needed now is a mentor that's way higher than me. So I attended this event and I found an amazing woman who's been named as most influential Fortune 500 board member and CEO. And I know we met in a very interesting event and I didn't know she was very successful and pretty good already and doing so good. And then I reached out to her later and asked her, hey, would you like to be my mentor? Because I love what you've achieved so far because she's been CEO of billion dollar companies for my entire career. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. I would use someone like you as my mentor. And she said, yes. So all mentorship is more about now I'm looking forward to learning from her tips and tricks, just a couple of things. And it also involved the questions of me asking her, do you think I need an MBA? Do you think I need this? Things that can also improve me as a founder. So I think when you're looking for a mentor, always look for somebody that will relate to what you're trying to achieve, not just a random mentorship situation where you're like, I want to mentor, but then what do you want to gain from this mentor? Also, I want to mention I'm a mentor too. I have a couple of mentees. So I volunteer with a couple of organizations, especially with high school students. I think I've mentored over 20 high school students so far. We're trying to apply for college. And I also just wanted to know what computer science is all about. And I also do mentor in the Android world. And how it works, especially for the student, is just through text messages, which is cool. And then sometimes we can call. So it doesn't take up a lot of my time. But for Android, it's different where we schedule maybe a one-on-one from time to time and just look on progress. Would you say that your mentor is the female role model that you look up to in your field then? I would say yes. She's already achieved something that I've always wanted to become, like a CEO of a big company. And she's done that and been there and now founded our company. That's amazing. But history shows, though, that it has been more common for men having mentors, champions, and sponsoring business than women. How important do you think it is to have a mentor, champion, or sponsor during one's career? It's very important, as I mentioned before, when I tied my software engineering mentorship with my career, because that really helped me a lot. It helped me become better. So now I think about it now that I have another mentor who's achieved all that. She can connect me to her network, which can lead to amazing stuff. So I think it's very important and very helpful. So you need it. If you've not considered it, please, I would say, start looking. Let us now move on to leadership. Adina Friedman, President and CEO of Nasdaq, said, I quote, Empowering those around you to be heard and valued makes a difference between a leader who simply instructs and one who inspires. And then Shirley Sander, ex-CEO of Facebook, said, I quote, Leadership is about making others better as a result of your presence and making sure that the impact lasts in your absence. Madonna, what does leadership mean to you? Wow, that's a very good question. This is funny. I'm going to walk you through memory lane a little bit. I grew up in Kenya, so I went to school in Kenya. So we have primary school system and then we have the high school and then you go to college. So when I was in primary school, I was picked to be the head girl because we have the British system in Kenya. The head girl means you are the leader of all the students in your school. So I was the leader. Now, when I went to high school too, I was picked to be the head girl. And I was like, what do these people see in me? When I went to college too, I was recommended for that too. So I think to me, leadership is very important. And I've been able to bring it along in everything I do. And that's just being inclusive and being a good listener and also being able to understand and be empathetic to others. Would you consider a good versus a bad leader? A bad leader is the person that doesn't listen. From time to time, I think listening is very important. So I like to sit down and listen. And a good leader is somebody that pays attention to the people that are coming to you. Like what exactly are they looking for? What exactly do they want? So being a good listener goes a long way. Then who is your favorite female, non-binary or transgender tech leader and why? 
sorry, I'm going to be biased in this one. I don't feel like I have any because I don't feel like I mingled a lot with people in that field. But I would say I do look up to the originators like Adelaide, right? They did pretty amazing during their time and it was pretty tough during that time. So you can imagine how that would have been. So I would go with Ada Lovelace. And as a leader, what values are the most important to you? Being a good listener. What leadership lessons have you learned that have formed you to the leader you are today? Bringing empathy and being a good again in everything you do is very important. What are your three strengths and three weaknesses? I do not procrastinate. I'm a very kind person. I hope everybody thinks so because that's what I believe. And then people say I'm good to work with. So I feel like those are my strengths. No, my weaknesses. I'm not too quick to network, even though I look very approachable. I'm pretty shy from time to time. I would expect people to reach out to me and then maybe I'll reach out. My other weakness is, uh, oh my goodness, I'm trying, I'm struggling here. What if I had just one? Let us now jump into the hottest topic in business today, workplace culture, unlocking the power of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Madonna, what does diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging mean to you personally? Well, I think being in the software engineering field, to me, it means being included in those decision making and also being viewed as somebody who can actually have a voice. And not only that, it's in many places where sometimes you feel like we're not included just because we are considered that we don't deliver. And it's pretty sad because I feel like uh, in my career, I've had to work 10 times harder as compared to my counterpart, which is pretty sad. So to me, diversity, inclusion and belonging means those barriers being broken. I mean, allow me to work and also be viewed as competitive as others and give me the same opportunities the way you're giving others. What do you consider being three to five signs of good company culture if you were to join a company? First of all, I need a company that promotes learning because that's very important. And I know this is going to be just tied to my career in software engineering. As a software engineer, you need to be able to continue your learning. And also, if a company has a great culture, it can be pretty tough because you don't know the people you're working with until you meet them. Because, I mean, they have all these brands and logos like, hey, culture, culture. But when you go in, it's pretty different. So that is something that I'm trying to make sure we implement in uh, Jibu Labs, where we are very inclusive and also supportive of others. So I would definitely say when you're looking for a company, ensure that they really walk their talk because some of these companies, the people don't do that. It's pretty sad. And as a woman, what has been the most significant barrier in your career and how have you overcome these challenges? If you remember when I told you about my biggest fear of being fired, I feel like if I was working in a place where I felt secure or people looked at me in a different way, I don't think I would have that fear because I don't believe maybe our counterparts feel the same. But as a black woman, I felt that I'm just any other person who can be fired the next day. So to me, I think having that safety really means a lot. So if we could provide that safety to people who are working in these fields, which are pretty demanding, especially women, can pretty be very welcoming. And also think about it. I'm a mom too. When you're a mom, you have other obligations. I need a manager that I understand that I will need to take my kids to a dental appointment. I'll need to take my kids to a hospital appointment. And that's okay. I will also have some days where I'll have my down moment. Can I take time off? You know, can I just say I'm not be able to do this today, but I'll do this tomorrow. I know, of course, you're getting paid for your work, but as long as I'm delivering my work, please treat me fairly. Why do you think it's important for more women, non-binary and transgenders to join the tech industry today? 
because we are not many of us. I've spoken to now over 30 events, as I mentioned, and in all my talks, I keep saying this, I have nothing against men. I'm married myself. Perhaps so many men attending my talks, which is pretty great, but I would like to see more women too give talks and also come to just see these talks and listen to these talks. I mean, in the technical field, especially, I've been a CFP reviewer for many organizations and I see many women submitting career talks, which is okay, but I would highly encourage other women to out there, please submit technical talks because that's how we even become better in the technical lingo because, I mean, it was my biggest fear because technical jargon can be pretty tough and especially thinking you'll be judged. But I realize it really, the community is there to uplift you and chill it for you because we're not so many of us already giving the technical talks. And that's why this year I'm pretty happy to actually plug in a program that was a mentor of, which is the Women Developers Academy, which is ran in Europe and the United States by Women Tech Makers Ambassador. And that is just training more women to be comfortable giving technical talks. And I was a mentor, so I would highly recommend if you're looking to get started in your technical field, look into that program. It's pretty nice. Technical field and also speaking in technical events, look into that because we need many because the numbers are still very sad, especially in Android too. Not many women are doing Android. And do you and how do you speak with your colleagues and community about DEIB challenges, for example, salary gaps and promotions? I'm just going to plug this in, which is pretty sad. I just saw a post today. Somebody just mentioned anonymously that they realized that she was being paid lower, like four times compared to her colleague who's doing the same job in software. And she was wondering, how does she approach that? Does she go to the HR? Does she go to labor? And to me, it made me realize that unless you stumble upon it, it's even hard to know if you're being underpaid. So that's why I mentioned, please be fair to us. And remember, we are working 10 times harder and paid less. Think about just for a moment how sad that is. So I feel like to me, the biggest issue when you think about it is that there's a lot of hidden metrics around the numbers. Not everybody wants to mention the numbers. Not everybody wants to come out and say this is what we're paying. So there's a big challenge there in the beginning. So what we can do is just ensure that the employers are being more welcoming and more willing to be transparent. And maybe we can solve the problem. But otherwise, I feel like it's a problem that's not going to be solved immediately. So I don't think I have a right answer for that. And there are many public and internal discussions about barriers that women, non-binary and transgenders face from reaching high position in the tech industry. How do you feel it has affected, is affecting you? And what is your advice on how to best unblock these roadblocks? Wow. So that's a very good question too, because I remember in my podcast, I've spoken to a number of women. I've interviewed over 30 women so far, and most of them are sometimes in early, sometimes mid and sometimes expert career. Now, the ones in expert career, especially in a previous podcast, is that she mentioned she was going to become a director, but she had to quit because of the environment. And then she told me, Madonna, I feel sad that I had to quit because I think about it. I wanted to be that voice where other women can see me doing good so that they can follow me. But now, look, I quit and left. The bros still stay there. But she told me the bro pushed her out. So she told me that at the end of the day, she decided to just create a platform where she can mentor and encourage other women. But still to me, it felt very sad because I thought wow, we had been pushed out even before we reached there. So what can we do? I really don't know what can be done because it's a culture that's not going to change immediately, but definitely within years, this will change because I mean, come on, we've come so far. So I think definitely in a couple of more years will be good. But I would say currently we're still struggling. Many of us are still struggling. That's why sometimes even... During my main stage panel, somebody mentioned a very good point that, hey, nobody was giving me the promotion I needed. So I had to quit and go start my own thing. That's what many of us do, which is pretty sad. And I think the tech group are okay with that. Kind of. Because, I mean, they're not advocate. And even if they are, just look. They put one up there and they don't allow you to bring others. Pretty tough. 
Another challenge is also that today tech companies spend a lot of marketing money to attract women, non-binary and transgenders. However, at the same time, they're finding it hard to retain them. Articles show that women are leaving the tech industry is exactly what you were saying. So what is your best advice or strategies for how companies can work to build a stronger corporate culture that engages gender diversity and equity? That's a very good question. You know, there's a saying in so Haley that goes, empty bottles make the loudest noise. <laughs> for some reason, I just wanted to tie it to that. I've seen people advocating for this, but it feels like that. The empty just making a lot of noise and nobody's hearing. But what can I say about that is that companies definitely can do better because it is true. Many women are leaving the tech industry and they're leaving their job, especially once they get to corporate, they're leaving because they're being pushed out. They're being told just because you can lead with empathy or something, you know, because the bros don't know that. They're like, you can do your job though, but we the women. And not like that. We will try to see what's happening, try, which is okay. I mean, I don't know. It's a pretty tough situation and I don't think I have the right answer to even tell what the corporate world can do. But I feel like it's something that they should definitely advocate for. Now, one thing that I will say that I'm seeing the light of the end of the channel is that there are organizations now that are implementing these strategies. So I'm pretty excited to see if we are tracking within 10 years and see what has the diversity and equity and inclusion done so far. So I'm pretty excited to see the study on that. So I'm hoping a couple of people will do studies on that and just tell us the numbers in 10 years. Like, did this work? really or it was just a lot of noise that went nowhere no it is difficult to come up with solution just yeah. like that so what would you say are the few challenges of implementing deib culture in a workplace today it starts from the top and i feel like as long as the top doesn't understand it, why we even need dei it's not going to work so it's the top and also the people themselves understanding why DEI is actually needed. I saw a CEO that mentioned that, I'm going to quote what he said. It's actually a CEO of a big bank. He said, oh, but we're looking for black talent, but we can't find the black talent. And I was like, are you kidding me? Are you sure you're really looking in the right places or where are you looking? Because that really made me think. This person said that. And did you see that I dramatized it? I know nobody can see it, but I dramatized because that's what it felt to me dramatize. What do you mean we're looking for black talents and you can't see the black talent? Where are you looking for it? And mostly, I feel like the block is actually even at the interview level. I come my interview with you, you're like, oh, you don't fit the culture. How long are you going to stay out of a job if you don't have another cushion? Not so long. Which means if you're looking for a software engineering job, for instance, and then there's a barrier, there's a barrier, there's a barrier, you will not stay looking for the same software engineering job the rest of your life. You will have to shift the gear and start looking for something different. Now, I'm saying this because I've, I've had people and I've seen people do this. You end up becoming maybe somebody that's working for a different company in, in, in something different. At the end of the day, we've lost somebody who was a software engineer because they're not given that chance to even try. So it has to start from the top understanding why do we need the DEI? Why is it important? And why should they this. Otherwise, I think if we just do it at the law level, it's not going to work because it has to be the big one deciding. Yeah, it's very important, which is also hard to change because I think changing kids, it's easier, but grown up is the hardest. Uh, I don't know. So I think we could just keep hoping good things will change. Yeah. But I like to see that the light at the end of the tunnel, though. I feel like it will change for sure. Can I add something to that, too? It also brings in the argument that, you know, and I mentioned this actually on my podcast, which is uh, I've seen many women CEOs, especially now, just go take your time and go look at women CEOs in all these Fortune 500 and big companies. Most of those women have NDAs. But look at the guys. How many have an NDA? So to me, it looks like as a woman for you to get that position, you need to have like a, something MBA in you. Yet the guys are like, you got it. You're fine, which is pretty unfair. 
So why and how do you think companies would benefit from having not just women, non-binary and transgender leaders, but actually higher gender representation at C-suite level and boardrooms with actual mandates? Because the, that's where the decisions are made. And think about it. I'd like to mention this particular situation where when the watches were designed, they were not designed with women in mind because that was not the thing. I mean, if you have all men testing your product, who's going to know if it's right? Now with the AI, I'm pretty scared too. It's the same situation. We have all these people that are making decisions that are men, even people of color. We don't know if they're making the decision in AI. So what can happen in the future? We'll just be complaining that there wasn't anything that was meant to it. But it's because the decision that were made, there was not an inclusive environment to even conduct the research and even do the products. So I think having women there, non-binary people, and people that can make this decision is very important in that early aspect of any product or anything that we make. So I think that's why it's very important because these decisions end up affecting us. I spoke to somebody else and she told me in Dubai, there's a law where as a founder, you need to include, I think she said 36% of women in your startups. And I was like, okay, pretty cool. Maybe that's something that we need now. We already have laws that are working, so we can follow that. And how much do you think the tech industry has changed regarding this subject since you joined? Wow. To be honest, I feel like when I joined is when they started doing that. So I, I don't think I've seen a lot of change in my end because I feel like even at the managerial levels, I think people are still not educated as to what we need, even need EDI. Because I remember working in this company and uh, when I was working, I was pretty new. My language, my English too, because diversity is, involves a lot of things. Even me speaking a different language is, is diverse. Like being inclusive to me. I'm not a native English speaker. But I remember facing difficult times because I couldn't explain something in um, software engineering because it's not a jargon that I understood. I was trying to understand, okay, what is a variable? What is Because, I mean, normally when you're an English person, those are words that were your first language. I speak seven languages. So you will think that speaking English comes not as a big priority. And I now have to speak it because it's what I use a lot. But I speak fluent Swahili. I spoke fluent Kamba. I speak other fluent languages. And when I was explaining myself, explaining a problem at work, I realized that I was being judged based on how I explain it. And to me, that really did not sit well. And then it made me fall back where I started feeling insecure, even explaining myself. So I would keep quiet. If I asked a question, I would say, yeah, we'll look into it, blah, blah, blah. But then I would end up not progressing in my career because I was afraid. So being inclusive means all that. And like I mentioned again, it doesn't have to be the leaders on top. It has to be even the people you're working with. They have to understand why is it important. Because I mean, I'm competitive. I know why I need to work. But come on, give me that opportunity. Let me work. Let me learn. Let me ask questions. And don't give me a review on I'm asking too many questions. Looking back on your career, what one thing would you have changed in your working environment to break the bias? To be fair, I don't feel like I've struggled in all the companies I've worked in now. Too, maybe. And what I would say is that I wish I would have changed is making the people there understand that, hey, we come from different various backgrounds and that's okay. English is not my first language, so I can be wrong in explaining what a Kotlin variable and mutable, because there's mutability, there's static, there's dynamic, those things are. Because from time to time, I would start looking into, okay, what does dynamic actually mean? Because it's not my first language, to be fair. Of course, yes, I went to school and I studied, but again, all these things is just putting them in practice. So I would highly recommend that if there was something I could have done is just make them understand that, hey, it's okay for someone to be different and be doing what you're doing. It doesn't mean they're here to take your job or, you know, be better than you. But we can learn and grow together. 
And looking forward, what will you do as a leader to improve the bias for the next generation of women, non-binary and transgenders in tech? beyond being a mentor and beyond doing amazing speeches and being on stage around the world? Yeah, that's a very good question because I feel like one thing that I've done is I've created a platform where women can talk about this issue so that they are not alone. That is through my podcast, Actors of Madonna, because that was the initial reason I created it, where we just talk about our challenges, experiences, because I feel like that will inspire somebody. Because I thought there are many others that are coming after me that are also not immigrants and they're Black and also maybe of color too. It doesn't mean only Black people experience discrimination. No, I think other people experience it too. So having that platform where they can hear of what's been happening out there, how others are navigating it. It's very important. So to me, I feel like that's a solution that I've implemented. Um, as to my company, I think leading with that in mind because I've experienced it, it's pretty different because now I'm like aware of the situations. So if we grow to be a very big company, for sure, I will want that to be the core of our values where we understand that we're here because we all deserve to be here and we're here because we're a great culture. So that is something I definitely implement in my company too. I'm sure that everybody feels successful and welcome. I know it will not please everybody, but we'll try to have the great culture. Let us move on to another hot topic in business today, which is work-life balance and mental health. You did mention that a little bit earlier about balancing that. And I do know, I hear it. Everybody, the listeners are hearing it. You have without a doubt a busy lifestyle. So how do you take care of yourself to maintain good mental health today? Number one, something that I like to mention for everybody that's listening, don't work on Saturdays and Sundays. Please don't. It's not worth it. They can still drop you anytime. Something that I didn't know when I started my career anyway. I wish I knew it earlier. But things that I do now is that, first of all, I feel like most of my productivity comes from I don't spend so much time on my phone because I started realizing that you will need to know what really takes away most of your productivity and time so that you can have a good work-life balance. Because if you spend, let's say, eight hours on your phone, at the end of the day, you will squeeze in a couple of small things, which means you'll have a lot to do later on. So I try to make sure if it's work, I do it at the right time. If it's picking up kids, I do it at the right time. If it's my time to travel, also. So organize it the right way. I don't mean I'm perfect. No, I'm not perfect. But I feel like currently, I feel like my work-life balance is pretty well set up for success because I don't work on Saturdays and Sundays anymore. And it is something I love to do. Like, I'm like, maybe today I will do this and that. But otherwise, taking care of myself and my kids and my family. And also, I work from the time that's up nine to five, I'm done. And like I said, I only do coding for four hours and then that's it. Have you ever experienced burnout? Yes, I've experienced burnout. My early careers, oh, I was strapped. Like I told you, I'd kids, I'd getting scared of being fired, I'd working on Saturday and Sundays. What do you get? Ban out. So I did experience it and it was pretty tough. I feel like it was taking a toll on my mental health. I really wanted to quit tech, you know, I was considering, but then I was like, if I quit, who will the other look up to, you know? So I was like, no, I'm not quitting. I'm not. So I, I stayed. But that's why right now, even when my mentees, I tell them, hey, let's do this. Please do not work on Saturday and Sunday unless you have to prioritize yourself. What is your advice then how companies can create a more mentally healthy workplace in the new now? Currently, it's just being able to be flexible. I think many companies now are asking people to go back to the office three days. I know I work full-time home remotely, so I don't know how that situation is going to be. But like when people work from home, it's even more productive because, I mean, I do the work I'm supposed to do. But I think we pay for the offices and they need people in the offices. So maybe that's the argument. But being inclusive and also allowing people to take that time off is very important. And also just allowing parents, especially I like to advocate for moms, you know, like, hey, let them take that day to take their kids to the hospital. Let them, you know. Be a good manager that understands that. What motivates you every day to get out of bed? I think my goal, my ambition, I don't like to mention it, but I feel like I'm very ambitious. 
my son wants to be president too, so I know he's pretty excited. He definitely wants to do the things that are going to lead to him being a president one day. So it's the same feeling for me. And I feel like that's what drives me. I know where I want to be. So I keep pushing based on those feelings. And I would highly recommend if you're listening today to please find something that you look forward to. And if it doesn't work too in your timeline, don't worry. I mean, that's life. Great. Rewires your thoughts. Just rewire it, you know, and keep pushing. Now, let us wrap up with a few words of wisdom and a piece of advice for our listeners. Madonna, what is the best piece of advice you've been given that has helped you during setbacks in your role and career? Do not give up. I think to me, when I was experiencing the hardship, like I mentioned, which I've not sugarcoated it, my mentor during that time, so often she told me, hey, you can give up. I know it's not easy. You have a family, you have kids, you're doing this, you're doing that. Keep pushing. And to me, I think that really worked very well. So I would say don't give up. If you're in a place where right now you feel like it's pretty tough, you don't know why you should go on, don't give up. Find a community. A community really helped me a lot. So I would say that. Find a community. I'm always here advocating for women and young girls to find a community because I feel like communities are very helpful. And if you find them along the way, it's even better because then you have people to grow with and people to learn with and people to cheerlead with. Like, hey, what are you doing? Let me know. Where's the event? And then you get to know all these things happening and it makes you feel better. I also like to acknowledge that not everybody is outgoing or likes to be in a community. So I like to mention that there are communities that are online, like webinars where you can attend. Women Who Code is also online. So yeah, find something that works for you. And then what is the worst advice you've ever been given and how did you tackle that? Oh my goodness. I don't think anybody has ever given me worst advice. Oh yeah. I know this is going to be funny, but the worst advice I ever got was I was told to go in a roller coaster because it's fun. But then I went on the roller coaster and it was not fun. Is there something you wish you would have known or a skill you wish you had when starting out in the tech industry? I feel like uh, my software engineering career has been pretty linear because I've done software engineering in one field, which actually ended up to be good because I ended up becoming an expert in the field, which gave me that authority, you know, because I'm an under expert. So I think I wouldn't change anything. It worked out pretty well because now I also realize that once you know one technology very well, you can easily jump into other technologies because right now my company, I'm able to build the web stuff. I'm able to help the, the backend people just debug some code. I mean, I'm like, wow, who am I right now? I can even do web. I thought I can only do Android, but turns out once you're good at one, you end up becoming good at the others because the logic is the same, just the syntax is different. So I would highly recommend if you can get that niche first and push through that niche and become good at it, the rest will come easy and you can transition to other roles pretty easily. If you had the ability to go back in time to when you were just the beginning of your career, what advice would you give to your younger self? Find a mentor early because my five years were not easy. And I know I've spoken to other women also in my podcast who don't agree to having mentors, but I would say, hey, if it doesn't work for you, it's okay. But if you can have a mentor, it's worth it. What advice would you give to young girls, women, non-binary and transgenders who want and trying to break into STEM fields today, especially wanting to become next generation leaders? So I would say, number one, find a community. I like to mention that because learning the community is very fun and it helps you see the need of not wanting to give up because other people are doing too. It's the same when I'm looking at you and I'm like, oh, you're doing this. Why can I not do it? If Madonna can't do it, why can I not do it? That's a good mindset to have. So I would highly recommend that. Hey, find a community, learn with that community and go with that community and you will be pretty successful. And then also if you have a question, remember you can ask the same community. Last but not least, Madonna, what's next for you in your role and career in tech? What are your career aspirations? 
Oh, I want to see general realty being used by a lot of Africans from around the world. So pretty big aspiration, but I know I got this and we will get there. I'm excited to follow your journey. Thank you so much, Madonna, for being a guest on the Queens of Tech podcast. Sharing your journey will, without a doubt, inspire change and reshape company culture for the next generation of women, non-binary and transgender leaders in tech. Wow, this was such amazing. I had so much fun. You've made my morning. Ah, I'm so happy. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you have worked in the tech industry a minimum of three years and would like to share your journey, please nominate yourself or somebody you know to i at jasminemoradi.com. For more podcast episodes and to learn more about the Queens of Tech initiative and to support us, visit queensof.tech.